0: You pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity for us to gather together in your church as the church. Lord, um, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that the church is possible because of a birth, and that birth was made because of a sacrifice. And because of that sacrifice and the power of the blood of that sacrifice, we could be restored in a relationship with you again. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to be with you in this way. Lord, thank you up front for how Holy Spirit will speak to us this morning, how Holy Spirit has already spoken to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In English, the word peace conjures up for us a picture where we rest, um, showing the absence of things, hostilities, wars, that kind of thing. Peace in our culture is about external stuff and maybe internal feelings. There's an online... There's an online tool called the Power Thesaurus. And according to that online tool, they say that there are 634 words that are the opposite of peace. That's a lot of things coming against peace, isn't it? A couple of them are this. War, struggle, ruckus, difficulty, dissension, disturbance, commotion, upset, frustration, hatred, hate, Anguish, agony, agony, torture, combat, conflict, battle, commotion, uproar, tumult, confusion, warfare, chaos, disorder, fear, oscillation, emotional restlessness, anxiety, disquiet, worry, dissonance, dissonance, indifference, hubbub, surrender, being in a predicament. <sighs> Those words come against us, don't they? The lost world... And many of us, even within the church, see all this negative stuff and feel all this negative stuff. The world filled with war, the world filled with violence. And we, we have a hard time seeing Jesus as the all-powerful God who acts in human history. Why doesn't God do something? How can a loving God filled with peace allow the world to be such a mess? Recently, because of how God works in me, he he just never lets me tell you anything that he doesn't drag me through. (laughs) And uh, recently in my life, I've had lots of challenges, great challenges uh, in, in the area of peace. Intense relational issues, physical challenges, uh, frustration with the bigger political junk going on in our country yet again. Systems that are out of control. They've pounded on me recently. And my mind, my will, and my emotions have been tortured. I bet some of that's going on with you too. The biblical concept of peace rests heavily on a Hebrew word which means to be complete. To be sound. The verb is to be whole or to live well. If we go into the new, into the New Testament, the Greek word means unity and accord. Paul actually uses that Greek word for peace to describe the objective, the objective of the New Testament church. The spiritual harmony brought out about by an individual's restoration with God. It starts first with each of us and then it works out into the group of us. So what does the Bible say about peace? In Luke 2, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So many of our songs, we leave that last little part out, on whom his favor rests. Rests. God tells us that peace is not available to all. He gives us examples throughout the entire Bible of tumultuous, horrible experiences that people had, yet in them there was peace. So, two years after. Jesus was born, the wise men show up. That's why they were looking in the stable and they didn't find him, you know, just for the record. And after they go and visit Jesus, then in Matthew 2, verse 13, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the kid and the mother and go to Egypt. We heard about that in the Advent wreath lighting, Right? So Joseph gets up and he takes his family to Egypt, right? But here's what we sometimes forget to read, that it also fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. See, there was tons of chaos going on. Herod ordered every child two years and under to be murdered. That was the context of the escape of Mary and Joseph to Egypt. That was the context of it. It was chaotic. It was a mess. It was hard. It was dangerous. Chaos was occurring all around Mary and Joseph, yet they lived in God's peace. They expected that God would keep his promise and fulfill all of his prophecies that God would protect both them and Jesus. They lived in Egypt in the confidence of a healthy, happy family until Herod died and they could leave. And their action, this, all of this tumult, all of this mess, all of this horrible stuff ended up being the foundation of one of the 300 plus prophecies that God said would be fulfilled in Jesus, that his son would come out of Egypt. See, God was accomplishing a, he was accomplishing an establishment that no one could argue with, that Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies, but it looked really bad. But what did God do out of it? The road to peace is not about logic. It is counterintuitive. It requires faith that God is in control. If we look in the Bible kind of like a detective looking for evidence, here are a couple things we would see. In Luke 1 verse 30, The angel is appearing to Mary before she is impregnated with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And his first words are, do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. On the other side of the the city, something happened with Joseph. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. When the angels on the night that Jesus was born appeared to the shepherds, the very first thing they said to them is, do not be afraid. Why is it that when God comes to us, He has to tell us not to be afraid. It's because something got broken. Back in the Garden of Eden, the the scripture says that Adam and Eve walked in the garden with the Lord. They walked with him. They talked with him. They related to him in the garden. And then sin occurred And what happened? They hid. Sin broke something. Sin broke something. Yet God, but God, yet God, but God, worked all things to good. Many times the drama in our lives is fulfilling a bigger purpose that we cannot see. Do we trust God in the journey? Do we trust him in the journey? In Colossians 1.20, it says, and through him to reconcile himself to all things whether on earth and in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. See, this little baby born in a manger would later get crucified. And you know what the scripture says about it? Jesus knew he was headed to the cross. Did he want to do that? No, he had some agony in the garden about that. But as soon as he went to the father, as soon as he went to the father, a peace came over him. And he walked the rest of that journey in total peace, knowing exactly what he was going to walk into. He knew exactly what they were going to do to him. He knew exactly. Here's the blessing. Even Jesus, who is the son of God, when he was a man, had to go to the father to get peace. If he looked at it from his viewpoint and how it was going to feel and what it was going to cost him, he struggled. Even Jesus had to do that. So if he had to do that, maybe we should keep that as our model. Right. In those times in our life that are coming at us and batting at us and punching at us, maybe, maybe that's a good model for us. a deep, restoring, permanent, relational peace between God and mankind was established by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. It was established, but first I have to believe it, and then I have to receive it, and then I have to act in a way in my life that says that I believe it and I've received it. In Hebrews 13 it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight. Working in us, guys, that indicates that there is a labor. Working in us, it's a labor. It's a labor that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, we are equipped to do his will and accomplish it in peace because of the payment Jesus made. Do we believe it? Do we receive it? And will we take action in it? Unfortunately, many times, what I feel keeps me from God's peace. Boy, have I experienced that. Feelings are powerful. They're also significantly unreliable. I've learned that there has to be a self-talk in my life. Here's the self-talk. I'm going and I'm getting pounded, I'm getting beat, I'm getting hit. I have to ask myself this question because it's so easy to get overpowered with all the junk. I have to ask myself this question. Steve, do you want the blood of Jesus Christ wasted with no tangible outcome in your life? Is that what you want, Steve? No, that's not what I want. Wake up call. That's the beginning of the step out of the mud. Oh, Lord, give us an accurate, wise self-talk, right? In the middle of the challenge. In Isaiah 9, it says this. For unto us a child is born... Unto us the Son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. That means that when Jesus rose from the dead, this new thing started. And it began to grow, and there will be no end. But that's not how I feel. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, the peace Isaiah speaks of is within each believer We received it when we received Jesus and Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is whispering the truth to us all the time. But the noise of all of that stuff is powerful and big and loud. Peace started with Jesus and it cannot be stopped. The question we each have to ask ourselves is if we're going to step into it. If I'm going to be a part of it, that's the question I have to ask myself. In Philippians 4, Paul gave a, here's how you do this thing, right? In Philippians 4, it says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. That means that when I ask God for something, I'm offering it to him, knowing grat- with gratitude that he's going to give it to me. It, with gratitude, that he can't go against his word, that he can't lie. Tell them, tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all. The relational peace that Jesus opened up for us provides the opportunity for us to focus on our relationship with God and God's view rather than our own. It merely provides the opportunity. There's something we have to do about it. Saturated with prayer, we confess what we need. We ask him for help and stay focused on the authentic, real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind stuff. It's the only way we can bust through the mess of our journey. When we do this, it does change how we think. And because it changes how we think, it changes how we act. <laughs> Choose the prince's peace. It never runs out. It never dries up. This is so important. I'm going to we're going to watch a little video because I want to be sure we get it. All right, I want to be sure we get it.
1: The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete, or whole the word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks it can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness wholeness it's like job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole, it needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Eirene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, My peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say, Jesus himself is our Ereme. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be, but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus who reconciled all things in heaven and on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace.
0: Is that helpful? I thought so. See, God alone is the source of peace, for he is Yahweh Shalom, which really means I am complete and whole. People participating with God are given perfect peace or shalom as long as they maintain a right relationship with him. And I get a right relationship with him not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did. The Old Testament anticipated and the New Testament confirmed that God's peace would be mediated through Messiah. Peace with God came through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peace is one of the fruits of righteousness. And again, righteousness is not something that starts and ends with me. It's something that starts and ends with Jesus and I get because of my acceptance of Jesus. Scripture specifically states that there can be no peace for the wicked. So, church, we have to stop comparing ourselves and our lives to the lives of people who are unbelievers. Because the Bible says that the lives of an unbeliever is not going to have peace. That the only possible road to peace is through Jesus Christ. That's the only possible way. Paul said that there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first the Jew, then the Gentile, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then the Gentile. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is there something bigger in our lives than God and what he has said? Are we holding something as more powerful than God? Here are some examples. How about in the chaos of a medical diagnosis or body pain? Do we focus on all of that stuff? Or do we focus on God's promises in that area? How about in the middle of emotional struggle? Emotions that capture us, they're powerful. Can I trust God and put my emotions to the side and look for what he's calling? How about in spite of a relational struggle? Can I trust God while I'm walking in a relational struggle? Can I trust God in it? Can I have peace in the middle of loss? Can I have peace in the middle of significant loss? Can I have peace when I watch my kids or someone I love make bad decisions? Can I have peace in the middle of rejection? Can I have peace in the suffering can I have peace when my country and my government keep fighting with each other and make people angry with each other? Can I have peace in the middle of that mess? The Bible says that peace is possible, but there is a casting away of something and a pulling close something else. I have to cast away What it looks like, what it feels like, what I think about it, and I have to pull in God's truth. In Romans 2, it says this Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. For he will give to each one in return for what he has done. Anyone who has done evil can expect tribulation and distress to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew. But when we do what pleases God, we can expect unfading glory, true honor, and continual peace. How do I do what God wants? I first have to accept what he says. I I first have to say what he says. Okay, I'm going to go with that. And then I have to receive that he gave me a possibility to walk that way. And then I have to start walking that way. Right? It's a war. It's not easy. It's a war. Peace, so desired, yet so elusive. Where are your chaotic, torn, dark, and disjointed places in need of wholeness? Only God can provide. We need to choose Jesus. We need to yearn for Jesus and we need to pray for his help. We need his help to remove those stumbling blocks. I had to start with my self talk. Do I want the blood of Jesus wasted? No. Okay, what do you do now? I've learned that peace is not possible without Jesus. Not possible. Two, I've learned that when we have Jesus, peace becomes possible, but peace requires the next step in me trusting God. Third, I've learned that peace that passes understanding begins with a choice that I make to trust God over my experience, over what I see, over what I feel, over what I think. Have you you noticed in these weeks that there are three purple candles? The pink one is the peace candle. The other ones are purple, And I feel like I know why, whether I do or not. Because each of these three things is a part of that thing. Like, peace includes hope. Hope is the expectation that God will do what he says. That's a foundation of peace. Peace includes joy. Joy is indestructible. Joy is freedom in Christ. Joy cannot be taken from me, only surrendered. And peace includes love. God's love is foundational to the gospel message that, he has, that has spanned all time and is the foundation of my ability to first accept his word and then love others. First accept his love Then love others because of what he did for me. See, I can't love him. I tell God regularly, thanks for loving me first because it couldn't have started with me. Thanks for giving me grace because it couldn't have started with me. Thanks for being the author and perfecter because it couldn't have started with me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace comes down to who or what governs our hearts and our minds. Who or what rules you? Who or what rules you? So it took a casting away of my feelings and my experiences. It took a focus on God and not on me to find the peace that Jesus paid for. You pray with me? Oh God, I am so tired of my own thoughts and feelings. They're predictable and mostly not helpful. Father, forgive me for them. I want your thoughts. I want your truths. I want your view. Lord, I want to be in Christ. And I know that the only way for me to be in Christ is to accept the powerful force of His shed blood on the cross. Lord, I accept that powerful force into my life. Lord, I want to be submissive to you. I want to have your thoughts and your heart rule in my life. That's what I want. I also know, Father, that it is something I need your help with to get there. Thank you for being ever-present. Thank you for being all-powerful. Thank you for being a God who cannot lie. Thank you for being a God who is the author and perfecter of something that is imperfect like me. Thank you for creating in me and walking in me. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the king You are the king. You are the king. And I submit to you and you alone. Amen. So, here's my question to you. Did your life change while you were sitting here? Did the muck and mess that you crawled through on the way here or whatever is going on with you, did the facts of that change? No. 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 In spite of the fact that your life didn't change while you're sitting here in this hour, there can be power and peace in the way you receive it and walk in it and walk through it. Amen? Amen? And that's what I wish for you in this next week when you have all the last minute things that you have to do, get ready. And when you have all the things that irritate you when you get out on the roads and all of the people who make you crazy when you get together with them, right? Peace, shalom, Shalom. amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great day.